You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Once again, live from the macro experience here in uh, the Fairmont, Grand Fairmont, Del Mar. Uh, and here with me today is none other than, <laughs> I was going to try to embarrass him, Julian Brigden, MI2. Julian uh, has the honor or the torture of going fist-to-fist -fist with Raoul in Macro Insiders. Yep. Not an easy job. Not an easy job. Uh, but is somebody that's on the platform, and we're so happy he's been here and involved in a lot of great sessions. Julian, welcome to The Daily Briefing. Thank you very much, Maggie. Thank it's you for having me It's your first time. It is, yes, it is. You popped the cherry, so to yeah. speak. <laughs> well, we're so happy to have you. So, so first of all, um, there's some stuff going on in the markets, but yep. um, just give me a sense of how it's been for you. You've been presenting a lot. You've been talking to a lot of people. You've been on panels. Um, it's it's has, really, you, you know, look, it's a, it's a fantastic experience. Um, it's been great. Mixing with, I mean, really the glitterati of the, of, the, uh, of the macro space that you guys have managed to pull together, which is, you know, I don't quite know how I've ended up here, but thank you for having <laughs> me. Um, it's been a really great experience. I think a couple of the panels have really stood out where people have really been involved in interactions. And we had one, I think the first one yesterday morning was the one that sort of struck me a lot. I wasn't involved in that. I listened in. I was great. Um, and just to hear people's, there are many things that people agree on, I think. It's always this question of timing. And this to me is always the big imponderable, right? Raoul and I sit, frequently sit on Macro Insiders and we have the same view. We disagree on timing. And it's, but, it, but, but for the, some of us listening to it, it sounds like you have completely divergent right. views because of that. Right. I've, I've asked Raoul about that too, because I'm like, how are you, you seem like you're, you're talking about you know the same questions and have completely different worldviews, and he's but 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 we don't. Right. Often it comes down to the time. Yes, yes. So I think that was a very interesting conversation, and I think you know people are still in this sort of you know is is inflation well it's obviously it's not transient to use the definition that the Fed did, but is is this going to be a sort of another one and done kind of inflation pulse? Whenever it ends, I think it ends not for a while yet. I think we've probably got another six months of it to go. Um, and it's going to be a lot more severe than people think. But after that, what happens then? Yeah. Right? Do we go straight to recession? Do we dip? Do central bank policymakers back off? Do, are they really going to be, is Jay Powell really going to be the next Paul Volcker and you know really stick it to the economy? Right. Paul or, Volcker raised rates aggressively. A lot of people don't yeah. remember him. Oh, right. Right? Because yes, we yes. haven't been in that situation no, in a long no, time. No, 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 no. But he no. raised rates really aggressively to tame inflation, yes. um, gain the Fed a lot of credibility by correct, doing that. And correct, correct. But caused a lot of pain a to lot the of economy. Pain, and you probably couldn't get away with it today. Right. That's the question. And, and I think that's that's the issue. So you know, do we get another one of these? The Fed tries to tighten, things roll over, and then they back off immediately. And to me, that would set the tone for that longer potential phase of inflationary mm -hmm. cycle, particularly if we start to see some sort of fiscal impulse again. And it just seems to me that politicians, you look all over the place, are just falling all over themselves to just give cash away. Right? Give cash away. Yeah. I read, you know, that they're, you know, they're trying to give, even in California, which should be this most environmentally friendly, plug your EV in, they're proposing sending checks to people to pay for gas prices. I mean, this is, 
lunacy, right, in an economy that's overheating. Would you consider yourself in the inflation camp if we're going to simplify it? Because we, we have, it's interesting to hear you say people have agreed because I'm listening to the same panels and I'm like, wow, there's a, there's a difference of opinion here. But again, we'll get back to that timing issue. Right. But you, you seem like, because Raul and Alex and some people are talking about disinflation, right. even deflation, that trend still being in place. You, you seem to have- I think the stars are aligning. And if I've, in my lifetime, I don't think we've seen a period where the possibility of a truly extended phase mm. of inflation is really there. Now, we should remember, and I did this in my talk, you know, people hopefully can see it online. I talked about these Bank of England papers that talk about 450 years of declining inflation. And yet within these, you have periods of, of nine periods where you had after very long, strong bull markets in fixed income, rising, you know, falling bond yields, you went into these bear markets. What characterized those? And I think if you look at the dots, we kind of tick all those boxes to potentially have that extended period of rising inflation. Within that, you'll have peaks and troughs, like you always do in mm. any market. Um, and that's actually typically where Raoul and I disagree. We might agree well to where we're going, but right. he might be doing this and I'm go I'm doing that yeah. at this particular no, but right, point. That's but right now, first, right now, mate, you know, you're too early, <laughs> right? You're too early. So uh, I think that's uh, that's what I see. I see this, I, and that was my whole point. I want people to consider the possibility yeah. that maybe this time it truly is quite different. And if that is the case, then you get bond markets, which will be in a bear market for quite an extended period of time and will be an inflationary environment until we find a policymaker and policymakers who are willing to take that stance and accept the political fallout and the pain in the economy. And to your point, I don't yeah. think we're there. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that's what we're wondering. So right. interestingly, news today, and it moved the markets, uh, They felt, uh, stock, equity certainly fell on this. Uh, the Fed coming out, we, we know they said they were going to be um, rapidly bringing down the balance sheet, maybe as early as May. Mm -hmm. um, they said that yesterday, today, putting a bit more meat on that, right? I think $95 billion, yep. uh, $60 billion for treasuries, the rest yeah. for mortgage back. Yep. Um, so so they seem like they're going to, does it seem like, we? If, if you, I'm guessing you think they're behind the curve. Yep. Does it feel like that they are taking this seriously enough that they might be able to do something about inflation? Um, I think they've got a half a long way to go. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, they are a long, long way behind the curve. Now, I mean, we think it's been quite interesting um, that fixed income has sort of priced in an incredibly rapid rise in rates. And I think rightly, because we are so far behind. But they've forgotten this. There's almost a bigger stick in the in the cupboard, and that is the, uh, the balance sheet. And I think it's a very important development to see the balance sheet start to be um, reduced. The everything I'm hearing is that the sort of internal calculations that the Fed are working on the assumption is 300 billion equals 25 basis points. So we're talking about another 100 basis points of hikes essentially over a 12 month period. Now, what I also hear, which I sort of laugh every time I hear is they're just going to set it and forget it. Right, they're going to just set this thing running at 95 billion a month and it's just going to just roll down and somehow they, they, they think they're going to take the balance sheet from 36% of GDP to 18, and it will be fine. Smoothly. Smoothly. Yeah. Smoothly, Maggie. I, I think it will be a uh, a charred mess, right? I, I think it, it'd be like, an, you know, we use this expression, a napalm run, to describe when the dollar is rising in, in, in a risk-off environment. And I think that's exactly what 
you know, you're setting up in terms of damage that you do. If you just set this thing and forget it, there will reach a point where assets will just implode and they will be just left there with a bunch of charred bodies and some smoking holes. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So, so a couple of different questions. And first of all, let's 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 hit the pause button a minute on on the thesis. So if the Fed's going to do this and you think they, they have to keep responding to inflation and they've got a lot of ground to make yeah. up, where does that leave interest rates? Because interest rates are the thing that affects everything, right? right. First of all, for, for people watching, thinking about pension, potentially a little bit more yield and savings if you're of that age. Yeah. But if you're buying a house or yeah. a car or anything, it's going to be a higher cost to you in terms right. of borrowing. Right. Where do you see interest rates going? So I, I've, we've been very bearish, Raul. And I disagreed on the last insider talk about the timing of, of of buying things, but I'm marginally more inclined to think about, and I haven't done it yet, buying bonds at these levels, if only because I think that the rolling off the balance sheet will start to affect the equity market. And to me, and it was actually underlined by Bill Dudley today, who talked about financial conditions. And this is kind of how the Fed, if you haven't read that Bloomberg article, it's that, I think, is another big takeaway for today. Go and please read that op-ed on Bloomberg from Bill Dudley. And, and financial conditions, people forget, this is how the Fed really, truly influences um, uh, the economy. And financial conditions are a broad metric of financial indicators. So you have sort of some sort of short-term interest rate component, let's say where you're financing your car, two-year yields or something, 10-year uh, yields for your mortgage, uh, equity market, credit spreads so where you can borrow money as a corporation, and then finally the dollar. And so really what you rely upon is as you, as the Fed tightens rates, mm -hmm. that that broader financial conditions should start to tighten too. And it's been very unresponsive because the equity market has been going like this. No, 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 yeah. no, we don't care. Yeah. The minute the equity market starts to respond, which I think it will as QT starts to accelerate, that's when I think I'm be more inclined to look at buying fixed income. But it, it's really, I'm buying fixed income because I don't like the equity market. Not that I'm buying right. fixed income because I think there's a natural slowdown coming. And, it, and it's just, and I think somehow, you know, equities will stay up here and bonds will drop and everything's nirvana. No, you have to tighten financial conditions. And that's that mix of how you do it. Right. So you see, because rates should go up if the Fed's yes. being aggressive. So sh really short term, you presumably think they have higher to go. But you think they're going to, uh, by doing that, I think tighten the, things so much that they're going to they're going to hurt risk assets. Yes. So then you become more inclined to buy the bond market. Right. So you think rates might go down because the Fed's going to have to stop or do something because equities have fallen yeah. out of that. But you're talking about a pretty bearish equity scenario in that environment. So how right? so what 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 do you think cuz people have been saying so you may hear people talk about the Fed put really what it yeah. means is that if equities fall enough, they'll step in, stop, potentially reverse what they're doing because they don't want to see, they're worried about the either magnitude or speed of the fall. Yeah. So the put is that they'll come in and, and put a floor under equities and stop what they're doing. 
Um, people thought that was gone or a lot lower than it was before. What, what kind of fall in equities from where we are now would make you worried or make you think that the Fed would? Well, I think they won't be that concerned by 20%. I really don't think they'll be worried. 30%, maybe. Do stocks have to go down in this environment? Is that, is that just the, is it, is it more a case of when they do than if they do, if you're, if we know the Fed is going to try to embark yeah. on what we just talked yeah. about? They, they essentially, I mean, that was the point that Bill Dudley made. And this is what we've been talking about all day yesterday in my speech, right? You tighten, you influence the economy via financial conditions, right? Moving what the Fed does, Fed funds, has no relevance to anything that we do. It's just right? a signal it's out there. It's just a signal, right. right? So it's kind of that classic adage, you know, if the tree fell in the wood and no one heard it, did it fall, right? So if the Fed is really, you know, raising Fed funds and nothing else is paying any attention, they're not having any impact whatsoever. You think that's why they're being more aggressive with their language? Because they see yield, the yield curve inverting why. and they're just like, listen to us. Listen we to want what it to be we tight. are saying. We are slowing this economy down. People don't realize this is no longer about inflation per se. This is about an economy which is growing well above trend in an inflationary environment. And if you allow it to continue to do that, those inflation expectations will come embedded in the system. And then the pain that you will have to endure to wring those out are going to be extraordinary. I think that's a really important point because people listening will say, why wouldn't we want it? Isn't that what we want? A strong economy, strong economy, good jobs, yeah. higher wages. We haven't had any of that. Like that's what you want. Correct. Except if you overextend, then Correct. you sort of unleash It's what... the Goldilocks, right? You know, this porridge is too hot. This right. porridge is too cold. This porridge is just right. And what we need, unfortunately, is just right. We've had too cold in the past. We're now, it's too hot and we have to try and slow it down. The difficulty is that some of these things are quite blunt instruments. Yeah. It's very difficult. You know, this is not microsurgery, right? You right? can't tap on the brake, right? right? Like that's the problem. Right, and certainly these brakes last, you know, have long run time. So whatever the Fed is doing today may not manifest itself for nine months, 12 months, you know, down the line. I think it does. I think the balance sheet will manifest itself much more quickly than they kind of think. But that's the point, right? These, this is not a fun instrument. Are trying to achieve, you know, I, I was on TV the other day and I said to someone, you look, I mean, statistically, if you look back all the way to the 1970s, the odds of the Fed achieving a an immaculate recession, I call it, right? You know, sort of the, <laughs> I like the, that. the 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 slowdown in the economy that doesn't do any damage, yeah. that doesn't drop the equity market much, is about one in four. And we've never achieved it. And in actual fact, the volatility of the responses to equities to the Fed doing it is actually increased through the years. Yes. And why is that? Because we've just got ever inflated higher and higher asset prices which are more dependent on this, as I like to say, the Fed has created a crack addict to whom they've now become beholden, right? And immediately they try and take those party favors away from the bathroom and the line, right? Yeah. Everyone starts to throw a wobbler. And I think that's the risk. It's going to be very, very hard for them to achieve that immaculate soft landing. So, so, pe so should people not have exposure to equities right now, given that scenario that you're painting? It seems well, I, pretty I think, bearish. Yeah, I mean, Ral and I were both in agreement, I think, you know, we started at the end of last year, where we started to say, look, these are much more dangerous markets. This yeah. is a market where you start to 
look at your returns and go, okay, well, if I made outside returns on this, okay, at a bare minimum, let me move up my stop loss, right? The point where I just say I was right, but now this is something's changed. I now got to get out. You should look to raise a little bit of cash. I'm very much in favor of certain asset classes. I think we're going into a decade where the asset classes that have outperformed, so in other words, US equities, particularly US tech, will underperform, or at least there's a decent chance that they will underperform. And some of the things that we really don't own in the scheme of things, so for example, commodities and energy overseas, some emerging markets that we really, really don't own, still, I think will outperform. The problem is, is, is that- in Emerging that, markets will outperform. I think some emerging markets will outperform. What about some. currency? What about currency? I think some currencies as well. Yeah. Right. We've started to see, all right, we've got a bit of a wobble today, but we started to see some real strength in some of these commodity currencies, Brazil, South Africa, um, Australia, New yeah. Zealand, Canada. You know, come on, emerging markets, sometimes people are uh, afraid to go there because the one, there will be one narrative that's really attractive, but then there are risks Right. that are hard to... But you have know. to differentiate in emerging markets right. now. So I think it's, it's just not... Commodity like, merchant markets. I like, like. A, I like the commodity space. So uh, we, you know, we've been pushing quite hard this XME trade, the minings and metal trade. The problem is, Maggie, let's say you know, I'm long this, I really like this, I am, I, this is something I own in my own portfolio, but I get worried about risk. I get worried that something's going to happen, the US economy is going to slow, even if I think these are the best trades for the next decade, if the S&P drops 25% or 30%, these things are not going to rise. They're not even going to probably stay where they are. They're also going to come down. Are they going to come down as much as I think the S&P yeah. is? No, I don't think so. But the problem is, is that's what I call a nasty correction in these, these divergences, mm. right? What you really want is the nice one where everything kind of goes up, but the US languishes, these other things just drift up for the next decade. And you're like, great, I've owned the right things. It's really easy. But this transition phase is never easy. So personally, I'm having to put on shorts against my longs or I'm trying to build up cash against my longs so that if these things do sell off in some broader risk-off move because the Fed overdoes it, I can at least have the ammunition to walk in there and go, I'll buy some more. Yeah. I'll average it. That's how I think you It's have funny, to I've been it. hearing people talk about barbell a lot. And I and that's not exactly what you're talking about, but it's like I think this, but I'm going to protect myself. If especially if you're not somebody who's very um, comfortable in the options markets, or maybe right. you don't utilize all those instruments that can give you. And that as protection. Alex said today in his speech, they're really hard to make money. Right, <laughs> right. Like really, and I think it's e and easy yeah. to lose money, and if yeah. you're not doing it right, yeah. you yeah. know. But if you're not, if you can't, if you can't use that then maybe a way to protect yourself against the other side. You know, like if you think that's your narrative, but give yourself some protection and diversification somewhere else that should you be wrong, right. that will be okay right. or rise right. is, a, is another way. Yeah, to I mean, of... I think, look, you know, people say, you know, Julian, you're a bear because you, and I said, why? Because I don't want to buy Apple up. It's after up 240% in the last two years, 240%. Um, then I'm a bear if that's the case, because I don't want to buy Apple. If I owned Apple, I'd either be setting a very close stop where he was looking at the technicals and going, if this thing breaks this, I'm out. And then I'd be taking that money and I'd be putting it in other things. I buy, I'm a contrarian. Is that a long-term investor too? Are you talking from- Yes, that, yeah. I truly think, because I think this world goes Because I think this, this is important, because cycles. you guys have two right. performance metrics that you need to meet. Yeah. Other people are like, I don't need the money for 10 years. But you think it anyway, because Ms. Schneider brought this point up. 
So you don't want to make any money for, for 10 years. Not saying that won't right. be the case with Apple, but that's a long time to sit not growing any and money. I totally, I, I totally agree. I think you have to remain invested, but the question is, is in what? Yeah. Right? I'm ultimately a dollar bear. I think that we're going to get to one of those points again where the Fed is going to be forced into this corner, but it happens out of pain. Right? We, it happens out of an equity correction. It happens out of the, them panicking again, Okay, where they'll be forced to come in and once again stimulate. I think US politicians have said just seem to have an inexorable ability to just spend money which we don't have, right? It's just, you know, write another, get the Chinese to buy even more treasuries so we can give, you know, money away to people, right? So I think, I think that that trend is set. I think it's ongoing. And I think that that will mean that at some point the US will be forced into a situation where they have to make some decisions. I think that weakens the dollar. Mm. Now, if you look at the asset classes that performed and the sectors in the US equity market that performed over the last decade when the dollar was rising, okay, versus how those equity sectors performed from 2002 to 2008 when the dollar was falling, okay, wasn't in collapsing, wasn't the end of the yeah. reserve currency status, it was just declining. And the dollar, if you look back through history, does these big swings, okay, everything that you should have owned in 2002 to 2008 when the dollar was declining is exactly the opposite to what you own today. Right. So you were not meant to own tech. You were not meant to own consumer discretionary. You were meant to own energy, mining, metals, transports. You were not meant to own the US. You were meant to own EM and commodities. And you think that that history I think will Because that that's always I the think, tricky thing too. Yes. You're like, history never repeats itself. But, but you guys like, of, but charts... The cycles do, and I think when you're buying something, you know, I, I, I think it's funny where people go like, oh, commodities have risen too much. And then you say, okay, if you go and take a chart and you look at XME, the mining and metals ETF, or the energy ETF, and you take it against the tech ETF, and you look at them from when the dollar based in 2011 and their relative performance, tech's up 600%, mining and metals and energy are still negative, Maggie, negative, like no money. You've made no money for a decade. Do you really think that the next decade tech's going to be up again another 600% and the US equity market is going to outperform the rest of the world by another 300%? I don't. Yeah. It didn't happen in 2000 and that's not how it ended in 2000. After a period like of this massive outperformance, we went into the reverse. But you know what's great is people have been challenging you on that. that you've had some people on panels who are taking the other side yeah. of that argument, which is, which is so fun. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. We do have some questions and I want to get to a couple. Tim from New York on the RV site asking, HYG, possible downside if markets continue to roll over and break February lows. Thoughts? I like this trade almost too much. Cheers. Thanks for all you do. <laughs> there was a smiley face in there. Too. There you go. So that was a trade that we recommended, uh, I think, for, for the macro insider guys back in, back in sort of January. Just It was a very cheap protection for a risk-off kind of environment because it's a real perfect manifestation of 
uh, tightening financial conditions because it has a duration element, which is the bond side, and that credit element as well. Um, I think, you know, breaking 80, not quite sure. I think we were just above that today, but breaking 80 should mark the next leg down towards 75. That's our immediate target. That would be kind of like a soft landing-y kind of level. Sod's law sort of decrees that we won't do it quite like that. And so you could get that puke again. Um, that could entice the Fed. But immediate target, 75. Uh, another question is um, Basking Turtle 78. I think a little bit more specifically, when will bonds be a buy? I think you said you're thinking about it or you're starting. When and I equities should... are a sell. <laughs> How do we know it's not a, it's not a false start? Um, you know what I mean? Because you'll have, yes. you know, you'll, you're seeing like today, you know, yesterday, today, because of the Fed, they're down, but we've seen that and then they've kind of popped or they're ranging. I think a tell, a tell like might that? be, look, we expect inflation to move materially higher in the second half of the year in the US and overseas. If you had a day where you had a bad inflation print, higher than expected, and I think there's going to be some absolute zingers coming between now and sort of September, October, and bonds didn't drop, but equities did, then you're starting to get back to the point mm. that you know that that relationship has reached the tipping point. Yeah. I want to ask you about, um, one of the things I've really liked about the conversations we've had is, and, and we've been talking primarily US right now, but a lot of conversations coming up on, uh, currencies, yen, uh, big moves happening, China, outlook for China. We had, we did have some data today, China, uh, China services, uh, PMI basically declining, biggest since the pandemic, 42. Not clear how much of that is related to lockdowns again right. in COVID. I don't know if that's your thought. Are you worried about events coming out of, um, you know, well, coming would, out that of that? That would be really bad, wouldn't it? Part you of know, the world. US goes into recession and China blows up. Well, I um, like this is what we love about Julie. We go, we're not like, what are the risks? China blows up. We go, we go right to the. No, no but, I, but I, there, I'm kind of. But there are some people who think yes. that it's much weaker. Yes. And you and I just had a quick chat about this. Yeah, but they're command control. They've, they've got centralized. They have a lot of levers that other you know countries in the developing world don't. But there are some people, um, and you're he we're hearing it now. It's not really mainstream that are worried that things are much worse in China than we know. And that there could still be some currency pressure coming too. Well, I think they've actually done—they've actually done quite a clever thing. I mean, they've—they've they've avoided a lot of the inflationary pressure mm. by actually running their currency extraordinarily strong. Mm. And it is versus the basket extraordinarily strong. So I think one sign for maybe peaking inflation pressures will be them allowing their currency to weaken. Should, not, the, should, the, should they be doing that? Oh, I mean, this is a this is a big question. Should they be doing that already in a controlled way before it breaks? when it's not their choice? I don't, or does it I, don't I, I think they can control it pretty yeah. damn. I mean, this is the big frustration of every single FX trader on the planet, that the central bank runs essentially the largest options book on the planet. They control, the, they have this basket, they, they can kind of control how this basket moves and by that way they suppress broad FX volatility. And we'd all love it if it blew up, right? And we'd get back to some moving currencies again. <laughs> But um, I am a little worried. I think one of the things that did pique my attention a little bit was the speed at which the Chinese responded to American pressure to come clean 
um, with some of these audits on their companies. I saw that. That right? was that was extraordinary. And I, I thought, thought it was really interesting. I mean, because we'd done this very rapid move where we'd gone from government sanctions on Russia to corporate sanctions on Russia, which yeah. I don't think anyone saw how right. quickly all these companies would burnish their ESG credentials by going, look us, we're pulling out and of Russia self, too. And they're self-sanctioned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's cheap. It's a cheap sanction. Right? Yeah. I mean, Russia's not that big of an economy. Yeah. Right? If then Optics. Maybe. The optics, yeah. So then you get, oh my goodness, if China's going to support Russia militarily, I need to get out of China. We had that dump yeah. in Chinese shares. I think that worried yeah. the Chinese. Yeah. I think if they've been really that confident in the underlying robustness. If they were bulletproof, they wouldn't have cared. They yeah. wouldn't have given them. Yeah, I think that, that, that's a, a thing, really, right? really and keen they, observation. And they did. And so yeah. the, I think there are... And they had been resisting and fighting this for a really long, long time. time. Even Correct. When, even before when we saw the big sell-off in tech, you did not see that happen. Correct. So I think I think there is a vulnerability yeah. there. Do not get me wrong. Yeah. Interesting. That's a really great point. Um, we only have like a couple of minutes left, so um, I want to try to get uh, Julian's thoughts on yellow metals, gold, uranium in this near-term equity bearish scenario. That's from Alvero. So uh, I like, gold. and also Julio from the RB site. And okay. Strong views on precious metals. So. so look, you know, precious metals are a bit of a frustrating one. Um, really, what you are waiting for is a weak dollar. Silver, which is my personal favorite, is just a super high beta, balls to the wall, as they say, short dollar trade, right? When you, That's when you buy it, right? It, you know, it's an amazing trade in that environment. We aren't there yet. I think we probably will get there. Could it be six months out? It's going to be the price action to me that's going to dictate it. Mm -hmm. In the interim, I kind of like gold. I think some of the things that are going on, you know, with this ruble peg and things are interesting. If you put your tinfoil on, you could say, it's the beginning of the gold-backed ruble remimbi. You know, and I'm not, I don't want to get into that sort of Machiavellian kind of wormhole, but I, I like it. I think it should be part of a, of a portfolio. But when you go all in on precious metals is when the dollar goes. All right, we've got a question from Ralph. Ralph always has a worldview. We appreciate his questions. I can't ask them to everybody, but I can give one to, to Julian, certainly. Ralph Humphrey from the RB site. What's Julian's view on Chile, Colombia, and Argentina? Does that, it, it, are you looking at that in your EM? So we, we've, the only one of those that we've looked at was uh, Chile. Um, I had a colleague who's on Harry, who I think you've interviewed Harry before. Melandry, yes. yes. Well, he's, he's on, he's on the, yeah. yeah. So he's, he's dipped himself PA into Argentinian real estate. And I'm like, oh my God, mate. You know, <laughs> it's a little esoteric for me, but maybe you can get him on to talk about that, Maggie. Um, so, but we like Chile. Um, why? Because it is this commodity story. I do think all of these countries could start to do pretty well. Chile is the more liquid of any of those. Mm -hmm. We've Liquidity actually, is an issue yes, when you're looking at it. We have dipped our toe into Brazil. We've dipped our toe into Chile. I look at it as the most undervalued currency mm. and equity market within the region because, but the politics have dictated this now because they've had a left-wing government, right? You know, we're all like, oh, is this another Venezuela? Mm. The thing is, is I suspect as we get through this pit bout of volatility, if these commodity prices do stay up, as I believe they will, these governments won't have to be as radical as people think because the money will come in. Right, the money will come in. And if the money's come in, then you don't have to tax 
the rich to the point that they're dead. You tap, you just tap well, them a, a little bit. Economy. Right. Right. So it's all boats are rising. It's yes. easier to manage. Your... And then I think you'll find that the, you know Chile is going to really start to outperform. So I like it. Good. But once again, it's this. Timing, timing and this watch. And, and nice, nasty kind of bit, right? One, Do we go through a bit of nasty correction first where everything gets dinged a little mm -hmm. bit, but the, the assets that everyone has long, which is not really commodities, it's still US tech, US equities, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. underperforming yeah. that thing, but everything drops a bit. And I'm going to throw a teaser. One thing that's come up a lot, we're not going to get a chance to talk about it now because we're out of time, is everyone puts a caveat in there unless there's a major liquidity issue. Right. which I think tells you how concerned people are about the transition stage you're in right now, because yes. then it's kind of like take cover, right. just everything liquid, everything cash. Right. So it, you really need to think about your risk profile and capital preservation on any of these things, because yes. we are in this, as you said, transitions are hard. Yes, so we have transitions to be are very hard and dangerous. Yeah. Julian, it was so fun. We may have to rope you into one of these again sometime. I'll have to check and see, but it was such a pleasure to have you on today. Thank it's you so very fun much, to be here in person, having all these great conversations. I know, conversations. I love doing this. It's great, isn't it? After two years of hibernation. Yeah. In the sun, in California. Yeah, exactly. We're going to be hoarse soon, though, because we have the event, and then the conversation continues, and then we go back into, so there's there's a lot of great conversation yeah. and talking, but a lot of good idea swapping, so we appreciate it. Um, and Ash Bennington is going to be back tomorrow. We end our live broadcasting from the event, but, but Ash will be back tomorrow with Darius Dale, which will be fantastic. So thanks so much for tuning in, and take care, and good luck out there. Thank you, guys. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.